from downtown Los Angeles, this is The City, a podcast focusing on the politics, art, and culture of Los Angeles. I'm your host, Garen Kelsaw. This week, creative director and native Angelina Nova Hahn joins us to talk about her work, inspiration, and art in the new downtown. Yeah, and I get so much inspiration just by watching people play, like watching them in their greatest, highest joy and, and playing with their neighbors. And Oftentimes on this show, we talk about our love for community and building the bonds that bring us together. One unique way for doing this is breaking bread and hanging out with each other in real life. Such is the drive behind DTLA First Sundays, the monthly community brunch founded by our next guest, Anthony Bejerano. This is The City. I'm Garen Kelsaw, joined on the phone now by Anthony Bejerano, the founder of DTLA's First Sundays. How's it going, man? Very good, Mr. Kelso. How are you? I'm really swell, and don't have to be so formal, man. I feel like I know you pretty well now. That's true, but you know, this is a very formal type of uh, show, so I wanted to keep it, give it the seriousness that it deserves. That's right. I, I appreciate your respect for the, the medium. So I wanted to talk to you about the wonderful community brunch that I've had the pleasure to not only visit, but become a part of. It's the first Sundays, uh, the first Sunday of every month, you seem to be able to take over a different location, and, and tell me about kind of coming up with the idea originally how did you get to this idea of having a, a community brunch well you know i've been doing community organizing community activism since i was eight i grew up in baldwin park which is a city about 18 miles east of downtown uh, my father was a very serious community activist community organizer um, you know, if, if you have on the scale of participation, public participation on the one end, you have people that, you know, they vote most of the time. And then on the other end, you have someone who's so serious that they run for office, um, and are doing it every day. My dad was closer to that, you know, that every day type of thing. Um, so we registered voters. We went to every community event. We, you know, just tried to build consensus. Um, and I did it for so long that ultimately, you know, right before I moved to, to downtown, I was actually on the city council for the city of Baldwin Park for about four years and on the planning commission for three years before that. So I had a lot of experience in community activism, community organizing. Um, and I learned over that time that there's pretty much three things that get people involved. Um, something that pisses them off, something that excites them, and just flat out tribalism. Um, the first two are, can be fleeting, right? They have like a really high arc. So at one point people will do, you know, everything. They'll show up to every event because they're either so angry or they're so excited that they just have all this energy to put into whatever the event is or whatever the issue is. But it always tapers off because, you know, you can't be angry or excited all the time. Tribalism, on the other hand, well, it can be bad, right? Like you support your, your person because they're your person. You don't look at the issues. It can be blinding, but at the same time, it can coalesce this, you know, broader sense of community. So, you know, you have an issue, you go to your neighbor who you see every day and whose kid plays little league with your kid. And you're like, you know what? I need some support at the city council meeting, or I need some support at this. Will you guys come help me? 
And because of that sense of community, people will, will sort of come together and get behind a cause and be involved and listen to each other and talk to each other and, you know, buy each other's kids, Girl Scout cookies, whatever. They just, they stay involved. They stay organized. They stay a part of each other's lives. And more importantly, uh, invested and in tune with what their community needs, wants, um, and is doing. And so, you know, I, I got burned out frankly, of being in the seat and being at community events every single day and talking to community members every single day. So when I moved to to downtown, I I took a step back. But even though I took a step back, it's such a part of my life. And I realize how important community is, no matter where you are, whether you're in a little town or a big city, having, you know, neighbors and stakeholders being able to come together to, you know, push the powers that be, um, or even just to mingle and get to know each other and share each other's wants, desires, fears, dreams, whatever. Um, and downtown did not have sort of the natural, uh, you know, inspiration for those things. So like in Baldwin Park and in most small towns across America, you have the Little League, you have the Football League, you have the Kiwanis Club, you have the women's club, you have all these things that people just end up gravitating towards and become these natural uh, areas to organize the community. Downtown doesn't really have that, didn't really have that when I moved downtown. Um, I mean, really the one thing that everyone can get behind in downtown is a bar, right? Like we have a very strong, like, but even then the bars are, you know, people have their allegiances. So, Absolutely. And they're spread out. And so when I moved down here, my biggest concern was that there was an awesome community that lived down here, really, really diverse, really young um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, and very eclectic, different backgrounds, high levels of education and intelligence. Um, But they just didn't coalesce around anything. Um, So my goal was to, you know, how do I get people to, to get together on a regular basis um, so that we can start to build that, those, those pillars of community that I know this person. So if, you know, for example, if Garen calls me and is like, Hey, you know, I need to go to my daughter's school and complain about X, Y, or Z. Will you go with me so that we have more voices? Um, how do you, how do you build that, that trust, that relationship without having something where you see each other all the time? Um, so that's, you know, that was for me why I wanted to create for Sundays. I was like, all right, people love brunch. People love to have a good time. Um, and you know, it's going to be easy to, to sell in the sense that it happens on the first Sunday of every month. It's, you know, goes for a window, right? 12 to four. So you don't have to be there at 12. Um, you can roll in whenever you want. You're going to have to eat anyway, right? Everyone eats on Sundays. So it's not like you're not going to eat. And if I can show you a good time while I'm doing it, it's more more likely that you'll come to every single one. And as you start to come to every single one, we'll start to build those bonds of community. And if there is an issue that someone's angry about or excited about, they can use you know those connections to get their neighbors out to support it so that downtown will be a voice to reckon with, that we can't be ignored. And I think that is super important to you know bring forward as it is one of the reasons why we do this show as a way of being a resource for information for the community but having that face-to-face contact being able to you know laugh and talk about each other's weeks you know in direct contact with each other is is very important to exactly what you're saying building relationship and building community and i think that everyone you know friends residents and stakeholders who love downtown know that that is something 
moving forward that we're going to need in order to really make this a livable, thriving community? You can't you can't have a community without that that social uh, connection and network. You just can't. It doesn't you know it doesn't work. You end up just having a bunch of people that live in the same general vicinity of each other, but you don't have a community. And you know when I, when I was in Baldwin Park, every Saturday everyone's at the baseball field, right? Whether your kid played baseball or not, like you just ended up there because that's where everybody was. And over time, even though it wasn't your intent to build community by doing that, really people just needed a place for their kids to play baseball. Um, it just ended up happening because you're spending so much time together. You're getting to know each other. You're building these bonds that when, you know, Billy is like, Hey, they're they're tearing up the street in front of my house. I want to go complain to the city council, but I, I, I'm not really good at public speaking. Will you go with me? Those types of things happen, um, and they start to be they start to build these like you know not not special interests, but these these community organizations that are not necessarily formally organized. Um, and so, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to build um, a sense of community amongst everyone here, so that you know, it, whoever it is, whatever their issue is, they can come to first Sundays and say, Hey, you know what? I'm doing this next week. Um, I'd really love it if you guys would come and support me. You know, the first time you show up, you don't know anybody, maybe not everyone's going to go to your event, but if you keep going every month and you're building those relationships, it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to get that, you know, that powerful block of, of community members that support each other. Other than just delicious foods, what what do we know that we can invite people to expect to enjoy when they come have brunch with us on Sunday? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's got to be fun. Um, that's that's first and foremost for me because, you know, you can have all kinds of events. If you don't have, you know, back, back to the Little League sort of example, right? People would go because they had a kid in Little League or because they were the ref or they were whatever, they had an obligation to go. And so obligation goes really far, right? Like if you have to go because your kid's like, hey, are we going to the game? Then you're definitely going to go. But after that, like after obligation, how do you get people to show up? You have to make it fun. You have to make it loose. You have to make it comfortable. Um, And so that's what we have. We have an amazing partner in Joseph McGee, who's been a DJ in the Los Angeles area for, you know, probably a decade at this point. He knows how to throw a party. He knows how to have a good time. He has a broad range of, uh, of music up his sleeve. So we always have good music. Um, there's always drinking, of course, um, because that's, you know, part of the DTLA culture. You have to have some, some nice cocktails. Um, and you know, it's just, it's loose. That's, that's sort of what we wanted to do was make it fun and loose so that everyone feels welcome. It's never, you know, if you're by yourself, right? Like, I don't know if I can go to brunch. Yes, absolutely. You don't need to have a crew to come to first Sunday and have a good time. You can walk up to the bar, get yourself a mimosa, have something to eat. Sooner or later, your neighbors are going to come talk to you because we, we pass each other on the street all the time. And there's, I feel like there's this, you know, this inner desire in all of us. If you pass the same person in the street every single day, even if you don't know them, you start to feel like you know them. You know, you have this drive to want to say, hey, how's it going? Or good morning or whatever. It's just part of who we are as human beings. We want to connect with the people that are around us all the time. 
Absolutely. And it drives those relationships forward. Anthony Bejarano is the founder of DTLA First Sundays. You can come join us Sunday, November 1st at Border Grill in downtown L.A. from 12 to 4 and see this party in real life. Anthony, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks, Karen. At This Is The City, we strive to provide the story of downtown Los Angeles for all of our listeners, but we can't do it without you. If you enjoy our work, please consider donating on our website. It's easy to do via PayPal, and it helps us cover the costs of producing the show. You can also help others discover the show by sharing us on social media or leaving us a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Last year, Bringing Back Broadway saw the reactivation of some of downtown's theaters who hadn't seen nightlife in decades. One of the creative minds behind that amazing night is Nova Hahn, a native Angelino and very talented artistic mind. We had the distinct pleasure to hang out with Nova and learn more about her own journey. I'm Nova Hahn. I'm a creative director and producer for Live Entertainment. And how did you get into being all these things? I studied theater and economics, and economics was my uh, practical choice, and theater was, you know, where I wanted to have my own um, jerk-off space, for lack of a better term. And then, you know, lo and behold, I just did what I loved, and it worked out in the end. It's been blossoming ever since, right? Yep. And you have a lot of projects that are very theatrical, but also very... Uh, what's the word not quite I don't want to say psychedelic because that's not enough Mm -hmm. it's very uh, trippy like it makes you think and how do you kind of get inspired Where, where do you think that comes from for you well I think for me what it means to do really good effective art is to draw strong organic response from people and for me what the arts mean is uh, and why they're so important is to be able to have people when they're feeling something so deeply and so intensely like they're reminded that they're a living entity that they have a spirit they're witnessing themselves because they are witnessing whether or not they like that dislike that and so they're getting to know themselves better through the reflection of your art so that to me always um guides me in what i'm trying to present bring something that either people will just have a strong reaction to love hate you know you want them to feel something right yeah exactly and you also have a pretty good tie-in to like festival scenes and live performance and your work is obviously very live performance oriented Mm -hmm. so tell me about that and how you kind of string that together what do you think about live performance itself that's also very important to art yeah you know i do uh so what i do in the festival scene is i am also a creative director i guide a whole bunch of performance teams i design stages we design environments that are really meant to be fully transformative and and transportative in a way so i almost look at them as these weird portals to another universe so rather than just applying that to stage it's really about uh bringing people into your world and um having these characters that are meant to have unique one-on-one experiences with people so that they are again witnessing themselves witnessing um who they are making proclamations about what they want to be in the face of all of it so it's just a different application but it's almost you know the same route or method hmm. and you grew up in LA so mm-hmm. what is that experience like now historically is not necessarily the place where refined kind of like mm. avant-garde art necessarily has been known to come from but now it right. seems like there are people paying that focus to us and to you and so I hope so because I need more money <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but but how is that now because you are to me like a part of that for instance you know being tapped to be all over the world being tapped to Mm -hmm. to 
help identify what is new and what is pushing the envelope is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think that I think that you're right. You know, this town, Los Angeles, has really been built on the uh, movie industry and theater has always been kind of considered a hobby. You know, you say theater and people are just like, <laughs> you know, we're not it does, it's not considered to be a money industry or um, something really taken seriously here. And what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to do is to really show people um, this live experience that is really invaluable that um you know, and I'm, I'm watching people do bring in more theatrics to their music sets, for instance. So there's almost this like bridging opportunity where people are watching these rock stars do things that are more theatrical and then they're witnessing and wondering and and loving, you know, kind of these theater settings and understanding what it means to have that live caliber. Um, so I think that people are taking it a little more seriously and I'm happy to be a part of that. And so last year and for this year upcoming, you got to participate in Night on Broadway and mm -hmm. kind of take over part of theater for an evening. How does that feel and what do we have to look forward to this year? I actually have goosebumps on my, <laughs> my body right now because, you know, last year when we got invited to do it, I was really nervous. I didn't know how many people were going to come. We had about two and a half weeks from concept to stage to build a show and also to fill the theater out because the theater was raw. It had no lighting, no sound. I had to find a new cast, music and everything and pull it together. And then on top of that, I was just like, oh my God, please don't tell me I've worked this hard and no one's gonna show up, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I had asked the theater to um, close off the entire upstairs, block out the side seats, you know, because I wasn't sure that anyone was going to come. And it, and it turned out that 50,000 people came, and I couldn't even believe it. So this year, you know, we're really pulling out all the stops. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about doing is presenting a 3D stereoscopic show. So one of the things that I love doing is really bringing in the latest technology with an old-school art form such as theater and blending and merging the two. So... With this 3D stereoscopic screen, we're really going to, it'll be the first time, and, and you know, for people out there, like, what that means is basically, like, you know, like a 3D movie, like you would wear with your glasses, um, except that this time it would be more like an LED screen, which is, like, super bright and super in your face, so, yeah, I really feel like it'll be the very first time in most of these people's lives that they will ever see digital media and a live human being seamlessly playing in one space together and it's it's really so futuristic it's pretty exciting i mean that's incredible to to even you know broach the idea of uh, that interplay uh between that 3d space and a, and a live person yeah it's it's nutty you know it's it's super nutty because now you know we really have to think about the z plane when i'm looking at the graphics when we're looking at what we're doing it's and we're, we're trying to rehearse and understand where people are within that space it's we're really trying to understand the depth of things now you know on a screen which is interesting um and also just so much as possible um 
so much surrealism as possible. Like, I don't have to build any sets. I don't have to, you know, bring in real fireworks. We'll just have digital fireworks and fairies and all sorts of things, you know. So I'm, I'm pretty amped on just that merge. It's, it's really going to be out of this world. And outside of downtown, what else is coming up for you next on the slate that you kind of want to share with us? Ooh, outside of downtown. Well, I guess I have a, a big show coming up for Halloween in Florida at Suwannee Music Festival. And then I've got um, a New Year's Eve show with a band called The String Cheese Incident that will be happening at uh, First Bank Center in Colorado. So, yeah, those are my next two big things. And, and then after that, my main festival is Electric Forest that I am a creative director for. So I'm excited about that one. Man, you got your calendar pretty full. but Yeah, I feel lucky about that. Really grateful. Yeah. And with all the traveling for the music scene, do you feel like... Has that changed for you? Do you still enjoy it as much as you used to when you started? <laughs> yeah, strangely, strangely, I do. Strangely, you know, I, I do so many different kinds of projects. I'm in music festivals all the time. And um, and this year I was like, okay, I'm really just going to do the ones I have to do. And it was, I think, eight or nine festivals. And I had a great time at every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is What is your favorite part about going to festivals now? Well, you know, it's I've definitely you know I've been in this music festival scene since the underground era, you know, and I started back in like ninety seven, ninety eight. So it's been a really long time, and you can't have the same experience every time. But what I really love is I love watching other people um, bring their own creativity to the scene. I really like to see what people are contributing to their environment, um, as opposed to just like hey this is what we've produced and built for you i really like seeing what the patrons are bringing as part of their creative expression it's definitely a two-way street for you right like yeah and i get so much inspiration just by watching people play like watching them in their greatest highest joy and, and playing with their neighbors and and witnessing things in a new way like i am getting so much inspiration out of that and it's helping me to really look at the world around me very differently as well so so backtrack a little bit for me so you were talking about your like safety choice of economics and then like oh, yeah. a wild choice of theater. creative and theater yeah what made you end up doing the wild thing well you know i i went through the same thing that every kid goes through after college which is like what am i doing with my life and um i graduated in 2004 and it just was really hard to finding a job around that time you know i just kind of did like random stuff and, and then you know worked with the Warped Tour for a while. I was a producer with them. And then after that, I kind of got lost again, was wondering what I need to do with my life. And I heard uh, this theory about Einstein. Einstein had this theory about the bees that once the bees become extinct, that we all have a matter of four months to live um, as you know, an animal species on this earth because they're the beginning of the food chain. So in this like very crux of my life of what am I going to do? I, am I going to continue doing this circus work that I'm doing? I was in a circus here in LA, or am I going to try to like make a business? I thought about these bees and thought about, you know, what is their existence probably like? Like if they had a human consciousness, <clears throat> they'd probably be freaking out that they were, you know, a part of the system, that they're insignificant in this world, that they were slaving away for the woman in this case, instead of the man. And what occurred to me was that does it matter that the bee understands that it holds the key to the existence of the earth or, or, or you know the animal species it doesn't really matter 
all that matters is that it does what it's designed to do which is go out and like make love to these flowers right and these flowers are designed to be attractive to these bees so that made me really think that as long as i follow the thing that makes me that falls you know that is my highest excitement and i navigate that in every moment of every day that i'm going to be serving the world exactly the way the world needs to be served so <clears throat> right now that's theater and that's been theater for me but the moment that i decided that my whole life changed and that's when you know i made more money than i ever made everything just really clicked in place and i just that's like my guiding principle is to follow my highest excitement and have faith that it serves the world the way that it needs to be served so that's fantastic i mean what a way to come across it <laughs> well you know it worked out for me so yeah do you still do econ in the background though no unfortunately you know <laughs> like side gigs you know oh have a visor man on. i feel like that was you know the worst amount of money spent ever <laughs> i feel like my understanding of economics is like worse than the average adult <laughs> that's really embarrassing i guess your passion just wasn't in there yeah, yeah guess not <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. It really was a pleasure to chat with cool. you. Cool, yeah. More. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. This is the city is looking for underwriting. If you're a service professional or business looking to reach our diverse and growing audience in downtown and beyond, contact us at thisisthecity.net or thisisthecitypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us this week on This is the City. Join us next time for more of the politics, art, and culture that make Los Angeles. And be sure to check out our other show, Eat Drink Podcast, for insight on what to eat and drink when you're in downtown. This is the City is written and produced by me, Garen Kelsall, and my partner, Jonas Sosnowski. Our theme music is by Taj Simmons. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher or on Twitter at This Is The City LA or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash This Is The City. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear on upcoming episodes. Until next time, be well.